Faith, I like this music. It's pretty groovy. It is groovy. This is the kids of Whitney High. Pretty girls. Pretty girls. Yeah, pretty girls. You know, we got some pretty girls in the movie we're going to be talking about tonight, don't we? We do. Tonight on the Late Night Fright, we got a movie about some pretty girls that are going deep, real deep. That's That's what what she she said. said. These girls are looking for a little action. That's That's what what she said. said. It's 2005's The Descent, a movie about some pretty girls deep in a hole. Oh, baby. Go ahead, Boris. Welcome, misfits, miscreants, spooks, specters, astral beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far, and boogers from around the world. You are listening to the Late Night Fright here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very creepy crawly crow crow host. Faith, (laughs) you're my new crow host. With me, as always, is my creepy, crawly, crow host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. That's one of those happy accidents, isn't crow it? Crow host, I love it. I think I'm still laughing from our bumper that we did for this so. show. That was Pretty Girls by the kids of Whitney High. If you're not familiar with them, check them out. They appeared in the 2005-ish movie The Ringer with Johnny Knoxville, Uh, It's a fun little underrated gem of a comedy. And they're a special needs uh, class that wrote songs. They got together and had a a songwriting class and they ended up recording an album and they've appeared at festivals and things. And I love their music. I absolutely love it. I love it. It's It's, it's so much fun. (laughs) It's it's a good time. And um, speaking of good times, Faith... We have a movie that you picked. You mm-hmm. have been wanting to do this movie that I had never seen this movie yes. until this week. Tell them what we are talking about tonight on the show. We are talking about 2005's The Descent. I'm so glad you finally got to see this it. This is a wonderful movie. <laughs> I really like this movie. So glad. But before we get into it, what do you think about our new intro? Misfits, miscreants, all of that. I love it. Isn't it kind of an Ackroydian turn of phrase, it isn't is. it? It is. Well, we want to thank all of you out there for joining us. You have a lot of options how you spend your time. We're very happy you're choosing to spend a little time with our little show. Faith, we're being heard all over the world. I know. So when I welcome boogers from all over the world. You mean All it. <laughs> over the world. I mean it. And I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in and listening. We sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate everyone out there listening to the show. You, you're the reason we do the show. Yep. So we we do have a bit of bad news. We just got uh, Peter Fonda passed away, the Easy Rider, great figure in independent film. He was an interesting figure in cinema history. Uh, the big studio pictures, you know, Mary Poppins and those things mm-hmm. were all the rage in the 60s. And then right there at the tail end, it started leaning toward this kind of independent mindset and these movies like Easy Rider started to pop up. And what's really funny is 
This week I saw an interview with Sylvester Stallone on Variety and he talked about that change specifically and mentioned <laughs> Mary Poppins and Easy Rider this week and how, you know, uh, you know, you went from like, you know, uh, Mary Poppins to like, uh, you know, Easy Rider, you know, bikers <laughs> and Mary Poppins. And, it, you know, Stallone's a real smart guy. So it's an interesting interview and he's very right about the history of that. But he's one of the guys that ushered in this change and we we recorded our cage match that's coming up after this show already. And we made mention of him because ghost rider is the film that we were doing. And he played the Mephistopheles character in that. And he's really wonderful in that. And that's not a very good Mm -hmm. movie. And that seemed to be a lot of the trajectory of his career. He was very good in a lot of movies that weren't so great. Uh, He's in a few great movies though. And he was nominated for an Oscar for the movie Yuli's Gold, which is a very sweet movie about a beekeeper and it stars Patricia Richardson from Home Improvement. And he that was 1997. He got a Best Actor nomination for that film. It's a wonderful little movie. I highly recommend it to everyone out there. But uh, it's a big loss. It's a big cinema loss. Yeah. And coming off the Fonda family, his dad was Henry. His daughter is Bridget. And of course, his sister is Jane. And, you know, I think everybody knows who Jane Fonda is. So yes. <laughs> uh, all our best to you, Peter, on your new adventure, wherever it is you are riding off to right now. So huh? pretty big. But we, uh, we're we going to be talking about a movie. Faith, I want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Go for it. Let me tell you this story. Tell me if this sounds familiar. A group of people led by their adrenaline junkie friend go on an ill-fated adventure and get way more than they bargained for. Does that sound familiar to you? It does. What does that sound like? A little bit like Deliverance. It does sound like Deliverance, mm-hmm. doesn't it? It also sounds like The Descent, the movie we're going to be it talking does. about tonight. Let's introduce this movie before we take a break. The Descent was written and directed by Mr. Neil Marshall. It stars some pretty girls. Shauna McDonald, Natalie Mendoza, Alex Reed... Saskia Mulder, Myanna Boring, and Nora Jane Noon. I like this movie a lot. And when we get back, we're going to dive into it. We're going to go deep. That's what she said. There it is. (laughs) I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Dan and I am Faith and we want to let you know that we are on the world wide web that's the interwebs isn't it Faith that's what I like to call it the interweb www.latenightfright.com and we are also on the gram we are you can check us out at the late night fright podcast or you can also follow my personal page I'm a normal alien you're not exactly normal but that's okay (laughs) uh check out the website you can subscribe to our mailing list and if you like the show please give us a review and subscribe and all that good stuff you know us we're available wherever podcasts can be found you got that right we'll see you on the other side Welcome back, all of you miscreants and misfits and 
aliens from Dimension X and all of that good stuff. All the other things you mentioned. All the other things. <laughs> and all of you boogers from around the world, you are listening to The Late Night Fright. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, we are talking about a movie that you really love, The Descent from 2005. This was your pick. What do you love about this movie? Uh, it's creepy. It's uh, it's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's it's a lot of fun. Would you like to give a very short synopsis of what this movie sure. is about? Uh, what is it? Six ladies. Uh, uh, pretty girls. Pretty girls. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Six pretty girls go into a cave system that has technically not been discovered or named and end up encountering some creepy crawly creatures that uh, attack them. The crawlers. The creepy crawlers. Yes. Yes. And there's also <laughs> a little story of... Uh, the girl lost her husband and yes. daughter and there's grief and mm-hmm. those things. And it's also just a really kick-ass thrill ride survival <laughs> movie slash horror film. There's a lot of things in this movie yes. that I like. And this was a first time watch for me. And I'm really glad you picked it because I really enjoyed this movie. I can't glad. overstate that. That I really why haven't you enjoyed. seen it before though? Yeah. You know it got a you know it happens sometimes, and I've said this on the show. Sometimes things get away from you. I think the cave was coming out at the same time, and it was kind of like eh, you know two movies about you know. I've seen know. both in the same night, and right, I like both of them. Okay, okay. <laughs> so let's get into it. My first note on this movie is. Here we have a film that shows us the real world effects of what I call movie driving. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the very first uh, couple of minutes of this movie, the accident happens. The husband looks away from the road as they do in so many movies and television series and bad things happen to them. Yep. You cannot look away for that long like they do in movies. This is a movie that starts off pretty tragic. And then it goes from bad to worse to frightening to shit your pants scary. <laughs> Faith, can I can I can I throw this idea out here? Sure. You could say these gals are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Har har. Yes. Let's start with the cast. What do you say? Let's go. For the it. cast of Pretty Girls. Director Neil Marshall had made a werewolf movie called Dog Soldiers that utilized a mostly male cast. Have you seen Dog Soldiers? I have not. I've seen parts of it. Really good flick. We need to put that on our master list. All right. The original script for this film had a mixed cast, but he decided to change it to an all-female cast to invert what he did in the previous movie. What do you think of these pretty girls, and how awesome are they? Yeah, I'm very fond of this cast. I'm not usually... Um, one for all female cast. I don't know. I like a mix of people usually, but uh, it just works well for me with them right. being all pretty girls. <laughs> all the pretty girls. I have absolutely no problem with all male cast or all female cast as long as you have the best people in there. Right. Uh, as long as you don't have an agenda, which you're seeing a lot of these days. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but you all <laughs> know what we're talking about yes. out there. Um, this is really great because I think it comes from a really neat place. Just him going, wait, I made a movie with all dudes last time. Let's make, let's make a movie with all pretty girls this time, you know, (laughs) which I think is just, is really neat. And I don't know if he changed the script any, if it just, no, we're just going to cast the females. And I think it really, really works. I think so too. Um, I think they're all very, um, 
they're all very um, different with their personalities and traits they have about them. I think they're very grounded to the movie. I think they just fit well. In this, you know? Right. And I like the attention to detail that he used here in the casting because he knew it was going to be dark. They were going to have helmets on. Mm-hmm. You weren't really going to be seeing their faces all the time. Right. So he went cosmopolitan, as they say, and he cast actresses from all around the world. So they all have different accents. And that's how I was telling them apart in the in the dark dark, when they were down in the cave. And I thought that was just a nice little, you know, uh, he did us all a solid, you know, just that little attention. (laughs) Nice little touch. Yeah. Little, nice little touch. And that attention to detail, I feel like is all over this movie. So we have six pretty girls going down into a cave. They, they like to get together is the feeling I got. They like to go on these little adventures. Mm -hmm. They start off whitewater rafting, which is a direct reference to deliverance we're going to get into some of the deliverance uh similarities in just in just a few minutes but um so you have these six girls and i just want to say this at the outset i knew this was a horror movie going in i knew there were creatures now if you didn't know it was a horror movie i don't know that you would see it coming because it really works great as a survival movie mm-hmm. for the first 45 minutes of the movie now i knew that there was something coming <laughs> And the whole time I'm watching it, I am waiting for the sacrifice to the gods of the horror movie, the lords of the horror movie. You know the lords of the horror movie I'm talking about. And I'm sitting there the entire time going, okay, which one's going to be first? <laughs> which one Which one is going to get eaten by the creepy crawly first? And I texted you this while I was watching the movie, and it got an LOL with one of them smiley faces crying from laughing. I turned into Eddie Murphy <laughs> right before it happened. And the character played by Nora Jane Noon, Holly, who's kind of the hothead of the group. She's always running around and racing and you know, you know, she's she's an adrenaline junkie, mm-hmm. and she was the first one to go. Yes. And there's a scene where she runs off when they're trapped in this cave. And you know, I see day, and she's Irish. I'm not going to attempt the Irish accent. You know, I see daylight. I see daylight, and she runs off, which she shouldn't do. And I turned into Eddie Murphy when I was watching this movie, <laughs> watching Holly run off into the dark, and I knew something bad was going to happen to her because we had not had the sacrifice to the Lord of the horror movie yet. And I had my money on Holly at that point because you don't separate from the group in a horror movie. Isn't that one of the rules? Yes. Do we get to hear the, would you? Okay. So it went something like this. (laughs) So she runs off, you know, I'll see daylight. And Juno says, you know, Holly don't run. And I'm sitting there in my bed. Okay. I'm sitting up in my bed. (laughs) Forgive me for this Eddie Murphy impression. That's your ass, Holly. (laughs) Oh, that's your ass now. <laughs> you don't run away, Holly. <laughs> it sounded a lot more like Donkey when it was happening. Uh, I was picturing Donkey just in now, the moment, but, but yeah. Oh, yeah, that's your ass, Holly. <laughs> Got what you deserve. And I just watched Eddie Murphy on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. I highly recommend that interview that's up on Netflix right now if you haven't had a chance to see it. And I would also like to add that uh, the decision to make the cast a cosmopolitan one, as we said, was very good because when they have their helmets on, and here's my note, and it's darker than a black steer's took us on a moonless prairie night, nod to the Big Lebowski, Uh it can be hard to tell them apart. So you have a funny story about this. Uh, I'm going to let you tell this story about the sets because 
I was watching this movie and I was marveling at the design because I thought they went and filmed this in caves for the most part. <laughs> you know, I thought some scenes would have been shot on stages, but I really thought they filmed this on location. And I texted you. I said, wow, these sets look magnificent. Laura, I think I read your notes you sent to me. That's what it is. So I have, let me read, you want me to read the note? Yeah, let, let's, let's hear this. <laughs> As I was watching this, I was marveling at the sets and I was wondering how they got the cameras into these spaces. <laughs> and then I discovered that this was filmed on the legendary stages at Pinewood Studios <laughs> in England. Yeah, I read those notes and actually started laughing out loud because I'm like, did he really believe these people are going to fit these caves? I really did. <laughs> into a cave system. I really, I really thought that they had fit the caves. Now, you know, I've been into some caves, and I mean, you could probably fit some cameras in there, but not in these little tight, <laughs> little, little spots that they got filming. I thought that was funny. So I think what we're trying to say here is the sets are very beautiful. They are. They, they really are, are. amazing. They're, um, they're very realistic. The cinematography here by Sam McCurdy is fabulous. That's my nut. The movie looks beautiful and it feels claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was on the trek underground with these pretty girls. Have you been in a cave before? Not that I can recall. I've been in two. Did they capture the feel? They, I was it? just going to say, I've been in two. So this movie is supposed to be based in uh, North Carolina. So I guess Smoky Mountains. So I've been in two of them in that area. And you, I mean, it really feels like that. And you constantly feel like somebody's watching you in there. It's They have those dark spots. And that's why, I mean, that's why I can see why you think they're real. They are very realistic looking. It, it really did feel real. The claustrophobia felt real to me, too, watching yeah. this movie. You told me a story I want you to tell. The first time you saw this movie, because you just mentioned it, you were where? In the mountains, in the Smoky Mountains. We decided to watch this movie in the cave but this movie, because it was supposed to be based in the Smoky Mountains, and we watched it um, on a mountain, on the side of a mountain, with surround sound, and it was it was pretty, it was pretty freaky. I mean, because I had just been in a cave that morning. <laughs> right. So you're like, wow, okay. I felt like I was something. in a cave. I was in a cave watching this. I was actually in my cave watching this. <laughs> I had the uh, I had my fun lights on. I had Lily up there with me for a little. Lily's my my. Uh, boxer terrier we think jack russell mix and she's a kook and she was laying down and had my oil diffuser going so i was very comfortable they they got very uncomfortable pretty quickly quickly. (laughs) so this movie is one part survival adventure and then it's one part horror movie in that respect this reminds me a lot of from dust till dawn the way it starts off as like a crime movie and then it quickly switches gears to a vampire movie but I feel like there's a lot of other influences on this movie. And we mentioned Deliverance. I was also getting a very strong First Blood vibe. You know, we mentioned, funny, we mentioned Stallone there at the beginning mm-hmm. with Peter Fonda. I uh, got a vibe of First Blood. And that's from the scenery at the beginning. They're making their way to the caves. And the music there by David Julian reminded me of Jerry Goldsmith, who did the score for the Rambo movies. He also did scores for Star Trek and uh, The Omen. He mm-hmm. won his Oscar for The Omen. And Anytime you remind me of Jerry Goldsmith, that's a very good thing. He's one of my favorite composers of all time. Uh, The tunnels and the claustrophobia definitely reminded me of Alien and Aliens. Uh, The other thing with Alien that I was getting from The Descent was I was mentioning those first 45 minutes. I'm sitting there waiting for the sacrifice to the Lords of Horror. 
And Alien is one of those movies where nothing really happens. I'm doing that in air quotes. Nothing really happens for the first 45 minutes. They're building a lot of tension in those first 45 minutes, but nothing of note really happens. But you're sitting there just waiting for it. You know something's coming. I felt that way with this movie, Mm -hmm. too. And especially then you got that claustrophobia with the tunnels and the ship. And then you got the caves here. And then, you know, you're waiting for it. And uh, the other movie that I was catching the vibe off of, and let me see if you agree with this, is Predator. Yes. Not being able to see the creatures. And I like that they did not really explain what they were. You get a little bit like they're cave people who didn't evolve. They evolved to stay underground. But I mean, you do understand why they're blind and stuff. Right. I mean, that's what I also learned being in that cave. They turn the lights off on us. To show you how dark it is, because you can go blind in a few days up in there. It's pretty wow. dark. Yeah, they turn. I mean, it was pitch black. Wow. So you literally will go blind within a day or two. I mean, instantly. Wow. So, so I think yeah, that's a, you yeah. Know. They, I, I really did feel like I said I haven't been in one. Yeah. I really felt like I was down there with them. Yeah. And the other thing too, I've never done anything like that. What they were doing in this movie, I felt like I understood what they were doing. That uh, Neil and his guys really made it to where the lay person could understand what it was they were doing with the ropes and things like right. that, because it all plays a part then, you know, as it gets, you know, further into the adventure and them trying to escape this nightmare. And speaking of the nightmare, <laughs> let's talk about the creatures, the crawlers. That's what mm-hmm. they're called, correct? The crawlers. The crawlers. Mm-hmm. What do you think of these creatures? Where do they, where do they kind of rank in your creature feature? I think they're, list? I think they're pretty high up. I don't know. They're, they're so creepy looking. Just, I love the fact, obviously, if you're going to be in a cave living in there, you're going to be blind. But I love that fact about them. I love that they hunt. I think I looked it up. I think they hunt with, um, what do they call it? Something like a bat uses. It's called echo Sonar? location. Echo, echo location. Echo yes. location is what it's called. I think that's just really cool. It makes it so much creepier. Which they use to help find Dory in Finding Dory. <laughs> yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're so creepy looking you think they're pretty creepy looking absolutely and i like that they draw on the classic design of max shrek as nosferatu in the original nosferatu film i got that immediately but then they're also pulling in the tolkien uh influence from lord of the rings they reminded me of the orcs and the goblins from that movie they're just a really good monster design and they didn't freak me out as much as i was very curious about them i wanted to i wanted to see them you know, and right. I liked seeing them as awful as they were. <laughs> I thought they were just a great design. Yeah, um, I think so too. I was reading, he cast actors in those roles. He didn't want stunt people mm-hmm. or dancers or, you know, things that people you would normally put in those kind of positions when you're doing a right. film like this. But he wanted actors. It took them three hours to get into that suit and makeup. <sighs> but what happened was, and I was noticing this, again, those little touches the actors all develop personalities for their characters. And you had individual actors playing each character, except for, I want to say, the Scar character mm-hmm. and the Mother character. I think they played two in the back, possibly, which, you know, I get it. Right. But I did feel like the characters all had individual personalities, which was amazing considering how dark this movie is. I mean, that literally the lighting of it, how dark it right. is. <laughs> And you can't really tell sometimes what's happening, but these creatures all have these distinct movements and, and mannerisms just in the little bit of time that you get with them. So I'm, the uh, crew who played the crawlers were amazing. I they thought were. I thought it was really great. Yeah, I think so too. I completely agree. That's I, I, I don't think I actually thought about that when I was watching it, but thinking about it now, they are they were very 
different in you know their own They're little way. Slightly distinctive, yeah. yeah. Nothing that you're gonna you know. I w- and it wasn't sometimes going. Oh, that one's different from that. No, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It was just when I was thinking about. It, I was like, I knew who each one of them was. Again, this Neil Marshall, he's a really good filmmaker. I'm surprised he hasn't done more. You know. Right. Uh, some bigger things because like uh, the guy, the name's escaping me right now who did the strangers. I feel like these are two of the better movies that we've seen recently. And they really struck me with just how good the filmmaking is. And that's great filmmaking. Just that little touch, the little touch of the voices in the dark with the girls, the little touch of each uh, crawler having a distinctive personality. Those are things that good filmmakers do. Those things that great filmmakers do. That's what distinguishes great movies from good movies and, and then from lesser movies. This is not a lesser movie. This is, I think it's a great movie. It's a what really good. I mean, that's always been one of my favorites since I've seen it. Right. It's a really good, well-made movie. It is. That does exactly, I think, what it sets out to do, which is give you a really good, scary, <laughs> creepy thrill ride. Exactly. And I appreciate it. <laughs> Definitely appreciate it for that. But uh, we were talking, and I really do appreciate this because it does not ape those movies I was just mentioning, First Blood and those things. It pays homage to them. It does it in great ways. I never wanted to be watching another movie. Like we were talking about something recently where I said, well, that reminded me of this movie and just made me want to watch, right? you know, that movie, <laughs> right? you know, um, probably the Elm Street remake. You know, it just made me want to watch the original, you know, I like it was a Nick Cage movie. Was it? Could have been a Could Nick Cage movie. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, this movie does have in its DNA, as we like to say here on Late Night Fright, uh, a lot of movies. Predator being one of them. Uh, we did an episode on Predator that is available wherever podcasts are mm-hmm. found. Faith, what do we call that here on the Late Night Fright? A, a shameless, shameless plug. plug. And you yes. know what? I'm not ashamed of it. No, not, a- not ashamed at all. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty good episode. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what, Faith? I think we did one on those, too. Pretty sure we did. Yeah. Available wherever podcasts mm-hmm. are found shameless not ashamed uh but the one that i was catching was deliverance and i texted you during the movie when i was watching it that it was about deliverance and you found out something really interesting you found out that it was indeed yes influenced by deliverance yeah, the director this that was his biggest influence uh for this movie so i thought that was cool when you texted me i was like well okay it makes sense <laughs> And I do want to say to our listeners out there, I am super wicked smart. Don't, uh, you know, despite what you may have heard. No, I, I actually, I'm not saying that to look smart. I went into the movie cold. Like, I didn't read anything about it. I just, I just wanted I to watch I, the I movie. I think I had asked you, like, did you do any research? No, you didn't, so. Yeah. But the Deliverance thing was pretty up front, and I've seen Deliverance. We're going to talk about my feelings on Deliverance. I've only seen parts of it, so right. maybe that's why I didn't, you know. Yeah. It didn't hit me right away. Would you like to say what deliver? Well, we did. We said the story of deliverance earlier. And let me tell you something. Deliverance scares the hell out of me. (laughs) Um, I have deliverance notes here. If you would like to hear them, the references that I caught in the movie, the Borham caves that they're in. That sounds like John Borman, who is the Mm -hmm. director of deliverance. The park where the women are supposedly meeting, Chattooga National Park, does not exist. Now, this is from the IMDb. The name references the Chattooga River, which is a real river where the movie Deliverance was filmed, which is loosely referenced in the movie Rough Nature versus City Dwellers. In Deliverance, this is the river that leads Lewis and friends into trouble. The one that caught me was the very beginning of the movie. They were whitewater rafting, the group of girls. The movie begins with whitewater rafting, as I turn my notes here. That's what the guys in Deliverance do. 
And let's see, Deliverance has an all-male cast. This has an all-female cast. The character of Juno, played by Miss Mendoza, is a thrill-seeker like Lewis, played by Burt Reynolds, and even wears an outfit that looks to have been inspired by his. He wears a vest in that movie. Mm -hmm. She wears a vest in this movie. Hers is red, his is blue. And I just want to say at this juncture, I love Burt Reynolds, and it still hurts that he left us. I know. I cried the day that Burt Reynolds died, and you know that I did. I'm the one that texted you that he had passed away, too. I remember. It was very, it was very upsetting. He yeah. was, he was great. I, I really loved Bert. Still love Bert. We'll always love Bert. Um, what do you think about the Deliverance um, references here? I mean, yeah, I can definitely the parts that I've seen. I can definitely. I think it works because of the subject matter here. You know, they're yeah. going on this adventure, and I couldn't find anything about Juno being Lewis. You know, direct reference, but it's too on the nose for I, I me mean, yeah. to be there. I just want to say again, Deliverance scares the hell out of me. <laughs> Scares the hell out of me. <laughs> so, Faith, we're going to turn this over to you because you tell me there is a theory about mm. this movie. Would you like to explain this sure. theory that's out there? Now, how long has this theory been out there? Has this been out there since the movie came out, or is yeah, this a, actually, a new internet thing? I don't know. I was just doing some research, uh, research, some research, some research on the movie myself, and um, this just happened to pop up. I didn't actually check what the date was but this was on many different platforms so the theory on the world wide web are the you interwebs yes that's well, what we call it here well in cozy corner are you ready for this theory i'm ready so the theory is that sarah never leaves her hospital bed she's still in a coma and is dreaming all of this are you, are you following okay so the accident did happen mm -hmm. and she is in a coma yes and everything that happens after the accident is part of a dream Yes, okay. there's more. So the crawlers that kill off each one of her friends represents different parts of her psyche dying. So her friends could uh, closely represent her psyche. We have Beth that represents loyalty and friendship. Sam that represents innocence. Juno, adventure. Rebecca, responsibility. And Holly, sexuality. And then there's also the birthday cake at the beginning with only five candles. They are saying that represents each friend, and at the end there are six, meaning that Sarah has actually died at the end of the movie, that she was never in this cave. So, would you play that for... <laughs> I, I can see it. I can make it work, I think. Um, There's also more. Oh. Apparently she creates these monsters as a delusion from her own murderous tendencies. Loses her mind, her humanity throughout the movie, she creates something vile and vicious to take place of her emotional instability. The crawlers are a reflection of her own self-image, lost and alone in the darkness. And apparently darkness is supposed to be the main theme of this film. Where do you stand on that? <laughs> I like parts of that. Uh, right. I like them representing parts of her psyche. Right. Uh, I don't like the murderous rampage part of her. Um I don't know. I I like it that um, that they're in the cave and they're surviving and right. Final, yeah, me too. Right, right. I just thought that was a very yeah. You know, I mean, because I had watched this movie many times since I've seen it the first time, and that never really dawned on me. Really, part of me thinks that's a real reach. The other part of me goes, "No, I could see it, and I can see it, but I still go, it's kind of a reach." Right. But I think it's I, more I fun know. watching it. As them in the cave for real, yeah. Surviving, I'm, I'm you with know? you on that. But that, I mean, I think I'm it's pretty. 
interesting that people are, you know, going yeah. that far to think that. Yeah. And you, you had let me know beforehand, you know, there's a theory about it. See if you pick up anything. I didn't pick up that I mean, at all. The only thing that, you know, people were, I think the theory comes from people when she leaves the room, the hospital kind of, the lights kind of go off. Yes. They're kind of saying, you know, that's her. Okay. That's the that's the oh clue. I I can I can make it work with yeah. textual uh, <laughs> textual examples from the movie, but I I don't I prefer it as it this is. Did you also what this uh, notice any eyeballs or faces through the movie? Apparently, there were supposed to be some hidden eyes. Okay. Throughout the movie, which was supposed to represent the viewers. I did not. No. I did not stand on this. I, I did not I didn't notice either, that. But I did. I did notice that the mother fought the mother. The mother who had lost her child fought uh, a mother who, you know, the crawler mother mm-hmm. who she just killed the child. That was that very was one of my favorite interesting. Parts, by the way. That was very interesting to me. And then, of course, when she comes up out of the ground at the end, it's like birth. You know, yes. very much like birth. Yeah. What did you think of the ending to this? Because there were two endings. The mm-hmm. UK version. She does not escape. She thinks she's escaped. Mm-hmm. She's, she's stuck in the cave. And then there's this ending, and uh, they call it the Texas Chainsaw U.S. ending. <laughs> what do you think about the ending here, uh, starting with her decision to leave Juno behind? Uh, I don't. You know, I don't know. I was, I was thinking that as I watched it. I get it, in a way. I don't know. What do you think? I, I get it. I get it. I, uh, you know, at that point, you know, who knows what you would do in that situation. Right. <laughs> you know, but she had brought them, brought it down on all of them. So I could see it. I like the look on her face. So when she comes up out of that pool of blood, we're talking me about references. Too. It reminds me of Martin Sheen and Apocalypse now coming up out of the uh, water, going to get Marlon Brando. A lot of great references in this movie. And again, that one, I told my friend Kate, I said, I saw her coming out the water and I thought of Apocalypse now. And I said, this movie's so good. I didn't mm-hmm. go. I gotta turn I off and watch, watch Apocalypse <laughs> now. No, it just it was great, and she had that wild, crazy look mm-hmm. on her face, and she was really great. Shauna McDonald, yeah, oh, this yeah. this whole cast was really great. All the pretty girls, all the pretty were girls. pretty good in this movie. <laughs> I like it. I like the theory. I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy it or so not. I don't either. I just, I mean, I saw it on many different things, many people breaking it down, and I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, as we like to do, if you are new to the Late Night Fright, we like to do favorites. And Faith, I actually have a list of favorites. I have not had a list for a while. And I don't have categories. I just have things that I liked and noticed and would like to talk about. I love the way this movie establishes and maintains tension. Me too. And he said he was drawing from The Thing and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Deliverance for that. So... Uh, the Holly leg injury is gnarly, and I have that in all caps, as you I can see. I noticed in your notes. <laughs> and that's another nod to Deliverance. One of the characters gets a leg injury. I mean, there's so many. And like I said, it was just too many to be coincidental. Right. Right. Do you have any more? <clears throat> Let's see. The Shauna McDonald performance is great. Mm-hmm. So is Natalie Mendoza. I like the way that the female friendships are portrayed, at least in the beginning, when they are all together. <laughs> Uh, the first crawler appearance, the Shauna McDonald fight with the mother crawler. I mentioned that. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre influence on it with the ending, you know, that kind of, you know, the spirit apparition as it is. Right. You, know, you know, she gets away, but maybe she doesn't really get away kind of thing. Right. Uh, I just think this movie is really well done. What do you have in the way of favorites? Um, I love the intensity and uh, in I feel like I said that wrong. <laughs> Maybe not. I love the suspense. I said it earlier. I love the setting. I think that's just such a cool, a cool setting. I like when Holly gets killed. 
I think it's pretty vicious. <laughs> we talked about the pool of blood. I love when she falls into it. I love when she comes out of it. Um, when the when all the crawlers attack Juno and uh, Sarah. I love that moment. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. I also want to add sound design. I think the sound design yes. in this movie is really yes. well done. Cinematography. Everything. I like, like the way to the. I'm um, sorry. I'm cutting into you. I like the way. There's different lights playing off in there. They have the green light and, you know, they have the red. I mean, yeah. it's a dark place, but you have these bright colors popping out where you can see certain things. And I think that, that was cool. That was reminding me of Stanley Kubrick would do things like that, using mm-hmm. natural lighting like that. And uh, it, it's really just a very well-made, very good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. If this was an album, every track would be good. Right. Exactly. You know? So... I can't say enough good things about it. This is a great movie. I'm glad you picked it. I'm glad I finally seen it. I'm have you seen too. the sequel? Yes, I have. I is have, it I, worth I, a I watch? I honestly can't remember. I haven't seen it in so long, but I know I've seen it. I'll have to watch it. I'll let you know. <laughs> Very good. See if we need to do it on the show. Yes. Do you have anything else about The Descent? I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have, too. So, as we said earlier, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Peter Fonda. You will be missed. Faith, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell them what we have coming up next week because I'm pretty excited about next week's big movie. Go for it. We have War of the Worlds from mm-hmm. 2005. We got an alien creature feature from Mr. Steven Spielberg and one of my personal favorites, Mr. TC. Mm-hmm. You know who TC is, don't you? <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. We are available, as we said, everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to check out our Monday show, The Cage Match. Be sure to check out our TV Tuesday. We have some great things coming up. The Cage Match has been a lot of fun, hasn't it? So much fun. Been enjoying the Cage Match so quite a bit. <laughs> enjoying it a lot. So we had a Vampire's Kiss sneak in and Face Off has snuck in. So they're going to be facing each other in a few weeks. We're going to determine who wins out of Ghost Rider and Mandy. And then the rest of that block will be determined by Con Air and Peggy Sue Got Married before we move into the second bracket and see what stacks up. It's been a lot of fun, though, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> it really has. It's almost as much fun as watching The Descent, which I really, really enjoyed. <laughs> so to all of you misfits, miscreants, spooks, specters, transdimensional astral beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far, and boogers from around the world, thank you for tuning in to our little show. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep your monster on, on a leash. leash. Faith, you want to try that again? <laughs> yes. She looks surprised. I did because I thought you were going to say something else for some odd reason. Well, <laughs> we can do it again. I'm not doing the whole spiel, though. With the No, with I want the, you to. <laughs> to all you misfits, no, miscreants, spooks, specters, <laughs> transdimensional beings from Dimension X, alien envoys from galaxies near and far, and boogers around the world, I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side. Oh, my God.